0: guys, this is Craig Hostetler and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 20. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with me today. A couple of uh, quick things. Today I have with me on the podcast, uh, John Scott. Now, John Scott, uh, among many things, is the host of the Holy Heretics podcast. And so if you haven't uh, listened to that podcast before, uh, it's great. And I would really encourage you to check that out. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify, you know, anywhere you listen to uh podcast, the Holy Heretics is available. And, um, there's really some great stuff on there. In fact, John and I, if you've listened very long, you know that John and I are great friends. And uh, we've hosted a few podcasts together. I've had him on my pod, uh, podcast. I've been on his. And so every once in a while, I like to have him back just to chat because he's a great guy. Now, uh, you can, of course, find the podcast at the uh, aforementioned places. You can find the Holy Heretics uh, Facebook instagram twitter uh you know all those kinds of venues you can find john at those venues as well john j-o-n scott facebook instagram twitter follow all that stuff um interesting guy has a lot of interesting things to say uh before we jump into the uh, podcast today let me remind you while we're on that jump on and follow my stuff too Uh, Craig Hostetler, I'm all over the place. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, The Black Sheep Experience, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Your follow matters, right? So do that. Um, Huge deal. Also, if you didn't get an opportunity, my last guest uh, last week was uh, the Inglorious Pastards. And uh, it's a hilarious podcast i encourage you to go check that out that's episode 19 you can find us the black sheep experience podcast republic itunes uh podbean um, spotify dude we are just worldwide so that's it man let's jump into the conversation today with john scott god bless you guys Hey everybody, this is Craig Hostetler. Welcome uh, to another episode of the Black Sheep Experience and today I have with me, um, see if I can give you as uh, grandiose uh, an introduction as I did last time, Uh, innovator, podcaster, multi-talented star, really, musician, (laughs) well it's close, right? (laughs) this is john scott from the holy heretics among other things how's it going man oh
1: golly well now i'm trying to figure out how bright to shine after that
0: <laughs> oh dude you you got this man you got this <laughs> yeah it's like you better not have any
1: stage fright at this moment i mean the the, the spotlight is bright dude
0: <laughs> yeah that's right raise the bar on this thing man absolutely how you been buddy
1: man i'm doing well i am uh just enjoying life Uh, i have a lot of lot going on right now a lot of things that have developed i've just started season three of the podcast and uh right now that's what i'm working on really heavily and so you know that's that's just what's happening with with me right now
0: yeah man you are you're busy guy um season three what uh carlton pearson i saw huh
1: yeah, we actually had Carlton as our first um, guest, and then Spencer Murray was on last week, so we talked about 2019 and what we kind of see unfolding, and then with Spencer we started talking about uh, sexism and uh, feminism, and ironically, I did, had no idea Gillette was going to do what they did, but it kind of ended up coinciding real well with the podcast about feminism and sexism.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Um <laughs> The episodes, both of them, were fantastic, and uh, golly, you're gonna, you're setting the bar pretty high, aren't you? How do you follow Blackout. up that?
1: Dude, you know, what I, what I want to continue to do is to, is to dive into this landscape of asking the hard questions and talking about what people perceive to be hard subjects. A lot of people want to stay away from these subjects because some are concerned, it seems, um, that they're going to be put into a particular party or another. You know, I was telling a group this last week a lot of the things that I have to say um, make people end up calling me a libtard and a Democrat and a liberal and whatever words they can come up with. And ironically, I'm not even registered to vote at this time. Um, and, and that may disturb some people, but you know, there are a lot of things I do disturb people. I don't hang out in either political party. That's why I actually make a party out of life. Everything that um, I do in my life is spoken to and driven by a passion to create a more harmonious, more loving, and a more peaceful world. And it has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with philosophy of life. But it seems that that's a hard sell. And so I think some people back off of some of these subjects, um, like even the Gillette thing. People automatically assume you're, you know, uh, a Hillary Clinton and an Nancy Pelosi fiend if you bring something like that to the forefront. Ironically, that's not what we're doing at all when we talk about sexism and feminism. What we wanted to talk about is the culture that we've created as a result of a lot of men um, being, um, personally, in my opinion, being mistreated and misinformed, um, which creates a lot of issues in relationships moving forward. So, you know, these are hard questions that need to, and and maybe hard subjects that need to be approached. But the reason I approach these subjects publicly is because I've approached these subjects privately already.
0: Right. Yeah you know it's um honestly i think and i i know for a lot of people that um especially your i guess you're more traditional or orthodox um evangelicals really they they have such a surface read of the scripture but what's interesting if you really dive into the culture uh with which like jesus existed for instance you see him Oftentimes, whether it's um, the woman caught in adultery or, or um, the Samaritan, whatever the case may be, um, elevating people that in the past had been, you know, somewhat discarded. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see Jesus doing that
1: all the time. You know, that's why... If my, my my politics, or if you want to call it that, or my worldview, is going to be informed primarily through the life and message of Jesus, and then of course the life and message of others like Lao Tzu and and uh, Siddhartha Gautama, and many others who wrote, you know, and and influenced the world toward uh, living a more uh, harmonious and peaceful life, but Jesus definitely was very. You know, he was very much into the discarded. You know, and I'm reminded of a scripture. I think it's in Isaiah, and the reference doesn't actually pop up at the moment. But the truth of the message, and so I'll relay the truth of the message, and that is that a bruised reed he will not discard, and a smoldering flask he will not throw away. Mm-hmm. And. The reason that scripture comes up is because back in those days with the prophet Isaiah's writing, he's writing from a particular part of the world where reeds grew. They were basically hollow stalks that looked similar to bamboo but weren't quite as strong as bamboo. And And so he's talking about these shoots that that grow all over the place in the Middle East. And so when he says a bruised reed, he will not discard. The reason he says that is because those reeds... That kids would find and make flutes out of them. They would use them maybe to, you know, to play Philistines and
0: Israelites. (laughs) 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 Whatever they were
1: doing, you know, but those reeds were plentiful, right? And since they were plentiful, if one bent or if it broke, you just discard the whole thing. Uh, Smoldering flask was a reference to the lamps that they had. If you, if you had a, a, a flask that, that was, um, not uh it basically we would we would call it these days i guess a wick on a candle um if it was burnt down to where it was smoking uh rather than putting off the kind of light you wanted they would just discard it and i think what's what's being relayed by the prophet and then the story is also referenced by jesus is that god knows that there there are pl- humans are plentiful mm-hmm. but he's not going to take the broken or the bruised, or the scarred, and just discard them. And that's really, in effect, what the church has done for a long time with a lot of people. Um, And so, you know, yeah, you don't see Jesus. Jesus actually goes and hangs out with the quote-unquote underdogs. He is intentional about getting outside of the walls of the city I mean the the message of the cross is about going outside of the city you know when Jesus is crucified it's done outside of the city so there's something to be said about that I I think um, I think that it is the call of Christians at least and I say this because I have been in that camp a long time and I somewhat remain in that camp depending on who you talk to and what day it is Um, I would say that christianity we have been called to love everyone but especially those who have been discarded i mean you see that that's that's the message of jesus um that's why he was called a wine bibber and a heart whoremonger and a you know he was called a cheater and a liar but he hung out with all the people that apparently did that kind of thing so yeah i mean long answer to a short question i do think that that Jesus's approach was subversive to the times. I do believe that he was very political, actually, um, with a lot of the language he used. You know, calling God Father in the Lord's Prayer is really a reference that flies in the face of the Caesar of that time. Uh, that says to empire, um, empire always has an expiration date on it, just like religion does.
0: Yeah, I mean it, from a from a clearly philosophical I guess point of view, if you were to look at the story of Jesus and the things that were said of him, the things that he even, you know, said of himself or that the apostles would have said of him, uh being born in Bethlehem, uh the angels appearing to shepherds, you know, I mean we could dive into all that, but I think most people probably no you know shepherds are are you know they're the scum of the earth at that time bethlehem pretty inconsequential uh and even you know the reference to son of god which we know that was purely a roman uh term yeah this yeah. this this story is constantly lifting up those who have been uh discarded disenfranchised maybe a popular word and also, yeah, I'm taking a few shots at the system in place that is bringing oppression. Yeah. And I know we could go yes. a lot of ways with that and we could get into the whole, you, you know, government that we have at this point in time. But governments aside, I, I, I think that there have to be what we might call grassroots champions, for the uh, discarded, the disenfranchised, the broken, the hurt, the wounded, all those kinds of people. There's no shortage of those in our in our culture. Um, and I think by and large, you know, because I was a pastor for 20-some years, uh, I, I'd say we didn't, in the church, do a great job with those kind of people.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree because I was there too, you know. I mean, I pastored two churches over a 12-year period. I've been a quote-unquote preacher for, oh gosh, man, now it's, I guess, well, it's been almost 30 years. I uh, started when I was like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been ordained for 23 years this next year. And I've been a part of that crew, that group of people, you know. And the thing about it is, is, I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at Christians I'm not mad at anyone of any religion I've actually been in a personal practice for the last year or so of complete non-judgment so when I talk about when I talk about these kinds of behaviors I'm not actually you know I can oppose your view without opposing you mm-hmm. in particular and so when I stand in opposition of particular things you know like I put a post on Facebook the other day and the post said, My life's work is to build bridges, not walls. Mm -hmm. Um, People took it as a reference to the wall in Mexico, and rightly so, uh, I guess, because of what's going on right now. But my my message in that was, you know what, if you guys want to build a wall and you want it to be your legacy to have a wall on the southern border of the United States and you want to spend multitudes of dollars on it, billions of dollars on that and that's what you want the legacy of this country to be fine i mean i personally am thankful i was born in america but i'm a world citizen i live on a globe and i'm not you know as as it pertains to patriotism because people question my patriotism all the times well you know i'm patriotic i think to what america is intended to be but anytime that you have an alignment of religion with empire it's just a matter of time before that whole thing implodes and myself and many others are calling we're calling this particular religion of evangelical predominantly white christianity um into we're calling in, in into the room to say hey you know what that's our religion was not intended to be backed by or to back an empire to take over the world um jesus calls us to be much more humble than that to not be sold out to caesar to give to caesar what is caesar's but to give to god what is god's and and to to not follow that line so for me dude you know it's really not i'm not trying to be a pure christian anymore i'm not trying to be a buddhist i'm not trying to be a hindu i'm not trying to be of any religion i really am um concentrating more on the kingdom of God that's within me and I think that there are many religious scripts and scriptures that speak to that and And I'm just trying to follow after the path of really actually radically loving and having radical forgiveness and radical humility and what I'm really doing is trying to live as my essential self and not my accidental self and I've said that repeatedly and I'll expound a second on that I don't want to dominate this conversation but you know the the idea of essential versus accidental. What I mean by that is, many of us are going through our daily life, living our life in in an autopilot state where ninety five percent of our con- unconscious mind is controlling everything, and we're only consciously aware of what we're doing five percent of the time in any given day, and that includes nearly seventy thousand thoughts a day that we don't even realize we have. Every, just about every breath I've taken so far today was taken unconsciously nearly every step I've taken today was taken unconsciously and most of the thoughts that I've thought today were thought without my conscious awareness and so I am in I'm in a place where I'm, I'm trying to align myself to be more consciously aware of what I'm doing and to input the information into my unconscious what I want there versus the conditioning I was raised with and there's nothing against It's nothing against my parents or the churches I went to when I was growing up. But they installed some things in this hard drive of my brain that I don't want to live by, right? Right. So I've just taken charge of that. Instead of being my accidental self and doing the majority of the things I do on autopilot based on what somebody else, you know, based on the destination someone else gave this plane that I am to fly to, I've decided to take over over the, the helm and determine the direction I want to go in and live as my essential self and the essential self to me that's the person that you were really intended to be that's the person that finds the thing that they're passionate about to make the world a better place or to create in the world for some people it's music for some people it's acting for some people it's writing for some people it's painting for others it's building things it's repairing things that are broken so each person has their own sort of essential passion and package that they've been sent here with. Um, so, you know, not to go off on a tangent, I'm, I'm really becoming less and less intrigued by the political climate and much more intrigued by um, this this individual life that I've been sent here to live and how I can best live it.
0: Yeah, you know, we've... Um We've talked about that uh, before: your essential self and your accidental self. So, l- let's uh, dive into that just a little bit because I do find that interesting. You know, there, there's millions, perhaps, of individuals who um, their plane was guided in a specific direction. Um, there are things that were spoken over over them or into them. You know, whether it is. Uh, you know the condescending things or insults, um, things that have caused them to feel unworthy or to feel uh, you know with that, that like they don't have any talent. You know, there's no self confidence, there's no uh, uh, self worth within them. So let's talk about if you if you have that kind of mindset, you know whether because that's where so many things come from, um, and not all depression, but some forms of depression jealousy, insecurity, your job performance, the way you um, express yourself in this world, uh, all those things are affected by the way that you view yourself and how you view yourself. So if you know already, okay, I have this poor self-image. I have a, I have a, a sense of worthlessness about me. And I even know it was implanted by others. But those are, those are difficult thought uh, processes to break so, how do you go about the process of replacing those crappy thoughts with um, you know your essential self? Well,
1: you know, um, the first place I think I would start is by uh, making it more more simple because what I heard you say is what I used to say a lot, and um, honestly, it, it was one of those things that I had to recognize, like become consciously aware I was doing. In other words, it's difficult to change that way of thinking. And, and this is what we often say. We often say it's difficult to change that particular way of thinking. But, but let's start here. First of all, let's start with I think we need to get to the place where we're willing to sell our cleverness and purchase bewilderment. That's what Rumi said. To sell your cleverness cleverness, and purchase bewilderment. And what I'll do is I'll lean into the second part of that quote. Purchase bewilderment. Be open to all of the possibilities. Be open to everything that's possible. And be open to the idea that you can change the way you think. And then here's where, here's where I begin to work on it for me to make it simple. Um, I ask people, have you ever ridden a bike? Well, yeah. How did you learn how to ride a bike? Well, I started riding. Sometimes I fell down. Sometimes it hurt. You know, uh, I, I learned how to balance. Okay. And then you learned how to ride a bike. You did that how? Well, through practice. And practice became what? It became a habit. The way the brain works is when you start learning something new, the brain first fires. Uh, It fires because there's electrons, protons, and neutrons, and when the frontal cortex is activated, when the frontal cortex where imagination and creativity comes in, when it's activated, it actually fires. In fact, they have video of people learning a new mathematical formula or somebody learning how to uh, take apart a transmission where they have – Uh, You know read out um, items on their head so that they can see what the brain is doing and it looks like a lightning storm which is so cool. Now when that when it fires then it's automatic response the brain now the, the brain's automatic response now is to wire once it fires it begins to wire. And literally what that means is that the, this there's a new thought that's taking place, a creativity that's happened. The imagination has been activated in the frontal cortex and now the brain starts building what's called neuropathways. You can actually watch video on YouTube of this. If you just type in uh, synapses or neuropathways being built, you can type that into YouTube and you can watch it happen. It looks like two... Uh, uh, lines start they almost look like blood vessels they're not blood vessels they're actually super highways they're they're neural pathways they start to reach for each other and then they merge and connect and the reason they do that is because that thought that imagination needs a place to um it needs a roadway to get back and forth between the two ideas that have just been been built and if you stay in that habit long enough you create a, 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 a neural pathway that's not like rush hour in Houston or rush hour in Atlanta where it's clogged. It's a free, open freeway to go back and forth between separate sides of a neuro pathway. So I tell people, I said, look, practice makes a habit, and habit becomes a habitation. In other words, you can live there. And then you begin to manifest what is in that pattern and what is in that habit it becomes a part of your personality if it stays long enough and if we practice long enough it becomes a part of your personality and then it becomes your personal reality you begin to start building that out so how did i start it well this is what revolutionized my life and maybe it helps somebody who's listening um every time i had a thought that i didn't like i grabbed a hold of it now I did this obviously not with my hand. I didn't reach into my brain and go, you know, clamp down on that thought. But what I did was I did the activity in my imagination of grabbing a hold of that thought. And it reminded me of a scripture in the Bible that says to take every thought captive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then submit it to Christ. If I believe that at the at the base of my being that I'm that Christ is in me the hope of glory, then I can submit every thought to Christ and Christ becomes the filter. In other words, if the thought doesn't serve my life best, why would I continue to think, think it? So, if I didn't like the thought, like, this is going to be too hard to do. I unplugged it, and I placed it in a category in my brain called excuses. And I took it, and by the way, the excuse file cabinet is full but I've categorized it and put it in a section of my brain so that when it comes out of that file cabinet I go nah you were an excuse I put up a long time ago right mm-hmm. so I unplug that thought and replace the thought with a thought that I want and I do it on purpose this is called conscious awareness rather than unconscious activity it's conscious awareness so I go to bed at night and one of the things that I used to do and many of us many of you listening now will recognize this as a habit what i used to do is i used to rehearse and review the things that had happened that day that i didn't like i would rehearse them. i did not even mean to but i'd think about the person who cut me off in traffic i thought about the argument i had with my boss i thought about the tense moment i had with my wife i thought about how the kids didn't think every time they turn around they're leaving lights on in the house or they're dropping french fries in the floorboard of the car I was rehearsing. Or if I got into an argument with somebody online about the heresy that I was being accused of, I would rehearse and review it. And then I seemed to wake up and these were continual patterns. But Dr. Joe Dispenza started sharing some information and I caught on to it. And he suggested that instead of reviewing and rehearsing what you didn't like about the previous day, when you begin to fall asleep, start rehearsing and outviewing how you want tomorrow to go and what will happen is while you sleep your conscious state sleeps your unconscious mind is awake and it's creating neural pathways it's basically like a construction company works at night during the summer because it's too hot during the day so the unconscious mind goes to work on creating habits within your being sometimes you don't even realize you're doing the new stuff you're doing I have started to realize it because I've become consciously aware of it, but I've made it a habit now. And dude, I told my wife when I first started doing this stuff, I said, baby, look, when I go to sleep and you hear me talking, I'm not talking to you, I promise. So you don't have to respond. I said, I'm actually talking to me. I know that sounds weird, but I'm in a constant dialogue with myself. And these are some of the things I'll do when I go to sleep at night. Instead of saying, I am sick, creating this new life is hard. I don't like the life I have. I'm not happy. Blah, blah, blah. I actually go through now a routine of I am well. I am whole. I am happy. I am content. I am successful. I am free. I am loving. I am compassionate. And the list goes on and on and on. I actually fall asleep. I have I've, I fall asleep even mumbling as I began to go to sleep with these I am affirmations and this has
0: revolutionized my life from the inside out. Yeah. What, what you know, I, I think... Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, um, you know, you talk about affirmations, and, and what's interesting is you just... You, early, a few minutes ago, you were talking about the mind is building these new highways, essentially. So mm-hmm. it is a reality, basically, you, that your mind is expanding, right? There's expansion there. So yes. just the affirmation of saying, uh, you know what, I'm expanding. I, I literally am growing. Things are changing. I, I think that just those those small transitions. And I'm not good at this, but I'm I've been learning that this year. That's one of my uh, I guess resolutions, for lack of a better word, is uh, to to not give space. Because, you know, you go throughout the day, and and somebody cuts you off in in traffic or whatever, and you're like, you know, God, what a dick. What's that guy's problem, you know? And, and you you know, you you just start letting all this rage, this ridiculous rage build up in you. Yes. And then you come at the, you know, you come to the end of the day, and someone says, how was your day? Well, my day sucked. You know, this happened, and that happened, and... There's no way that you're going to live. And the funny thing about it is, dude, th- this is your life. This is it. This is what you're. This is what you get. And what's in the afterlife is going to be debated. And I have my views, and and others have theirs. Or some even think there's you know another earthly to f- to follow. But whatever the case may be, this avatar essentially that I'm in now, this is this avatar's only experience. And so, why would you spend it being frustrated about, you know? Somebody that cut you off in traffic. Does that really matter? No, it doesn't matter. So right. you can transition by just saying this: the, the same things that you were saying. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty bright. I think I can figure this out. You'd be surprised. I have been surprised at things I went ahead and tackled, even though originally I thought, "Dude, I can't do this, man." And then you just think, "Well, you know what? I, I'm going to try. I, th- I think maybe I can." And then you know maybe it took you three times longer than it would have taken someone else, but at the end of it you go, look at this man, I, I could do this. This was something I said I couldn't do, and now I'm finding out. Hey, yeah, you know what? I can do this. And man, yeah. it, it's easy for me to get down, dude. I, I do. I, I I do all kinds of stupid things. I I, I look at you know. Every episode I'm checking how many, how many downloads, you know, how many likes, how many, uh, you know, how, how did I do on the job today? How did I do this? Why didn't I say that? And the reality is none of those things cause expansion. They instead just leave you in the same whatever rut or, or uh, destructive thinking that you're already in. Does, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. We, Most of us have been taught to seek for the good opinion of other people. But, you know, it was Abraham Maslow who said, you know, my work is to be free of the good opinion of others, to get to the place where I realized that, um, and, and this is one of the things that I, I really believe firmly and has changed my life, that when you need affirmation, really all you send out into the universe is that you lack, rather than saying, Mm -hmm. I, You know, I don't need this affirmation anymore. Being fully aware of who you are matters far more than anyone else being aware of who you are. When you live in that awareness, when you live in that space and place where you're content and you're happy with you, it's amazing. Those who don't need affirmation tend to get it the most. And I, I, we, I have had to teach myself to step away from that because I grew up with with the idea that, first of all, I had to make sure God was happy so I wouldn't fry forever. Yeah. And then, of course, if I need God to be happy, well, then wouldn't I want the rest of humanity to be happy with me as well? But when we start to realize that that um you are in and of yourself extremely valuable uh if you weren't supposed to be here right now you wouldn't be here in some way you would depart from here whether it's through death or whether it's through just disappearing one day you're supposed to be here apparently for this particular journey so enjoy it while you do you know a lot of times i'll hear people say well you know all of that stuff you're talking about you know you sound like a snake oil salesman that i can just change my life but what i think um there's no snake hole involved but I do believe that you can change your life by the way you think I mean in traffic you mentioned traffic a moment ago and people cutting you off it is a scientifically proven fact it's a neuroscience fact that stress hormones get released in your being when you become angry and when you become frustrated and you become stressed out stress hormones get released into your body which negatively affects your immune system it beats up on your immune system it narrows the veins and it causes you to have heart palpitations this is one of the reasons people get flush in the face when they get so angry and frustrated my question is why would you in traffic where do you have to be so badly that you want to take years off of your life or whether it's hours or minutes off of your life by being angry in that moment. So people say, well, then what do I do about it? Well, become aware of the moment when it happens and begin to question yourself, not in a judgmental way, but in a serious and even a humorous way. I started questioning myself in traffic because it used to be a major deal for me. I travel so much, right? That I would say, John, where do you need to be so badly? Like, really? And even if you're running late, What good is it going to do to be angry? When you get there, not only are you going to be late for whatever it was was that you were going to do, but your brain is going to be in fight or flight mode. It's going to be in crisis mode. You're not even going to be able to operate at your full potential. Chill out. It's all good. And so this actually creates um, a sense of calm. And then you start going, you know – this this really can't. This I can live my life this way, where you know what really counts most is that I'm living at my full potential in a loving and a harmonious way because all of us want to be loving and all of us want peace. Ultimately, at the end of the day, but that leads me to um, this thing that I think I'm beginning to understand and become aware of. I'll say it like like my friend and mentor Wayne Dyer used to say. He said, uh, God, I miss him a lot. I say I miss him a lot. I, I still get to read his books and listen to his talks, but he used to say, um, um, well, he has so many things he, he would, he would say about this being frustrated and being, uh, losing your mind over certain things. But I like how he said enlightenment is something that can be obtained through Uh, choosing to become more aware of it and enlightenment seems to be for a lot of people especially if you're Christian you think it's an eastern terminology but it really just means to be full of light that's really what it means to to live in in the light rather than tripping around in the darkness but he said enlightenment through suffering is overrated Mm. many of us need crisis to force us into an observation of our own self but instead of using or instead of utilizing crisis, get ahead of the curve. Most of what I've learned in my life came through crisis, and I really believe that that's overrated. There was a lot of pain involved, a lot of disappointment involved, and so if I can get to it, in other words, if your shift can happen internally before the shit happens mm-hmm. by decisions you make, <laughs> you're in much better position It's less less crappy of a
0: day. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing about that, a couple of things. I mean. First of all, um, Christianity in its original uh, formation it was somewhat Eastern, <laughs> but also...
1: Oh, yes, the Middle
0: East, isn't it? Yes, yes. And uh, also, you know, what's what's interesting is I had a, a guy on the podcast last week named Truthseeker, and um, he's kind of this hip-hop um, Christian guy that's very into... Um, I don't know. Maybe some things that other Christians would view taboo: tarot cards, crystals, that kind of thing. But anyway, he said uh, he did a he and his family did a um, an experiment where they took two glasses of water. You've probably heard of this. They put rice in them, and, uh, and uh, so they had water and, and rice in two separate glasses. And in one glass, they spoke positive. I love you. You're you're beautiful. And I know it sounds silly, but they said those positive things to that other glass, to one glass, and then to the other, they spoke negative. Why are you here? You're not wanted, etc. He said yeah. at the end of 15 days, the glass that they spoke affirmation to still looked almost edible. Yeah. The, the other glass, he said, I'm telling you the truth. This happened. He said the other glass was looked like something i definitely got to get this out of the house this is nasty and so i I do think you know it's funny because i and and you talked about taking every thought captive um between where i work and where i live there are 22 uh stoplights okay now how do i know that (laughs) i know that because one day i'm driving home and i'm like this is ridiculous man just, and I start counting the stoplights. Like this is, <laughs> I know, right? This is how persecuted I am. I got to go through twenty-two stoplights, and I'm just losing it. <laughs> you know, like, and it just those one thought kind of builds another. It's like, what, which, what idiot decided we needed a stoplight here? Why do I, you know? And it's just, and and finally, and this didn't, I didn't, I wasn't. Uh, enlightened enough to catch it day one, right? So day two, I'm driving back to work. Unbelievable. 22. Wow. You know, and I'm just going through this whole ridiculous thing. Like like somehow my thoughts are going to change that, you know? And then I realized, uh, man, what are you doing? Are you really freaking out over stoplights? You know how much suffering there is in the world? And, and this is nothing. This is not that... You know, you, every stoplight you stop at, you can uh, make a game out of it, or you can do. It, but you know, you just got to change your thinking. It's funny how many times we, uh, I, you know, martyrdom, which I, I realize it's an exaggeration of the word, but 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 it's overrated. Mm-hmm. And I think that so many times we place ourselves in, uh, in, in within firing range of suffering. Yes. And needlessly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like who? Twenty two stoplights? That that's really what's going to ruin the next hour of your life? W- w- why? Why would you do that? But we do that every day, over and over. And oh, look, the waitress forgot to bring my silverware. This place sucks. Why do we keep coming to this place? You know what I'm saying? Yes, we, yes, I know. Yeah, we have all these thoughts, and it begins to build an existence. It really yes. is the little things. It begins yes. to build an existence that really isn't. It's not an enjoyable experience. Yes.
1: Well, I think I think what you're talking about speaks to a very very much an epidemic in our society here, and and that is an epidemic in uh, a lack of gratitude. Um, I think that a gratitude practice is 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 even more important than a prayer practice i would say to anyone who's listening and and i say this to myself also i've learned to wake up and the first words out of my mouth are thank you Mm -hmm. i don't say thank you jesus i don't say thank you bible i don't even really say thank you god i send a thank you out into the ether and into the world into the universe which sounds new agey to some people but you know it's it is. We're upon a new age. And, and whether we like it or not, we are upon it. But um, I just say thank you and try to start my day with thank you. At every stoplight that you come to, you have 22 opportunities to say I am whole. I am well. To be literally begin to rehearse within yourself the beauty of who you are. I am thankful. I am grateful. I am attracting abundance. I am attracting beauty. I am compassionate i am tender i am i am gifted i am talented i am blessed beyond measure this is an opportunity to at every stoplight to enter into a few moments of affirmation this is 22 times in a day's time if you got stopped at every red light for you to say thank you god Mm -hmm. um it's 22 times for you to stop it oh I didn't know there was a Walgreens on that corner. Well, that's closer than the one I normally go to. Thank you, God. Now I know that I can go to that Walgreens from now on. It's two miles closer. This saves time in the long run. So there's so many things that we honestly, we take for granted in a day's time. And we get frustrated about things that don't really matter anymore. You know, I I used to be the world's worst about it. But see, the thing is a mood, a mood becomes a temperament. And a temperament becomes a personality trait. And what becomes a part of your personality then plays out in your personal reality. You begin to create it. You will manifest it. And as you manifest it, you will manifest on it because, you know, you will get what you think about because that's what you bring about. Where your focus goes, your energy begins to flow and you start to manifest these things. And when that happens, um, you're going to you're going to reap what you sow. And that even that scripture was agricultural about the the things they would sow is what they had to eat. It was an agricultural time. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to eat it. You know, they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. Scripture even says um, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. We we can create a different reality, and again, you know, I can sometimes even feel the pushback on this where people will go, Well, that's just that Kenneth Copeland stuff, that's just that name it, claim it, and blah. Well, here's the thing you don't have to do it. I'm not demanding anyone do this, I'm just sharing what has changed my life, and it's not. I don't lay around and quote scripture, but I do affirm my own life. You know, scientists have proven that your brain responds to your voice quicker than anyone else's. And so if what you're saying about your life is negative, why would we expect anything less? Because your brain and your mind is hearing you as the prophet of your life. And if, the, if what you're prophesying has not been profitable, change what you're prophesying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you got to, I, I think too, you know, you have to, when you talk about finding your passion and, and you know, really finding yourself and, and being expressive of who you are, you got to realize that certainly the, your, your, you know, your mind is going to push back from time to time. People on the outside of you, and that's another thing, man, is is people on the outside of you will recite so much negativity and, and you really got to learn how to turn some of those things around. And, I, and I, do think, I do think that, you know, you talk about, well, that sounds new age. It's funny, and, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, and I have some listeners in particular who won't appreciate it. But Jesus, ironically, wonderfully, uh, and, and possibly intentionally, because his mind was eternal, harmonizes very well with a lot of new age thinking. And, and maybe that's oh, yeah. reverse. Maybe they, maybe they inherited those from him. Whatever the case may be, he harmonizes very well with much of what they believe. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Well, Jesus harmonizes very well with a lot of old age thinking that has been forgotten. Yes. Um, you know, I have a really wonderful book that has the sayings of Jesus, the sayings of Siddhartha Gautama, who was called Buddha. Um, and I, I get into the place where I don't refer to Siddhartha as Buddha anymore because he didn't want to be called a Buddha. Um, he was one who said those who speak don't have and those who have don't speak. In other words, you don't have to talk about it if that's what you are, but it's the words of Jesus, words of Buddha, words of Krishna, and the words of Lao Tzu side by side. And, and honestly, there is so much that they said alike. It's nearly scary. Um, in a very cool way, in a very cool way. I, you know, I, these days I'm really getting into the phase of, of not caring. You know, when people say, um, uh, for instance, when I put up the post about um, building bridges rather than building walls, um, there was a lady who came on there and she said, well, I've been looking for a church to go to that does not involve politics in their message because it affects and negatively affects my spiritual growth. I guess unity of Chattanooga is not the place for me. Um, to which to which I responded, well, you know, I, I, I accept and embrace and love people of all different types of opinions, and I don't talk about politics from the pulpit, but with that being said, there's not a preacher on the planet whose personal view of the world does not influence or speak to what he or she preaches about, um, and and I I like to say that I'm not a I'm not a speaker for everybody, but I am a speaker for anyone, and I think there's a difference. Um, not everybody's going to like what I have to say, or going to like me, and I'm fine with that. But anyone is welcome. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm yep. radically inclusive, but not everybody's going to necessarily like what I have to say. And I'm actually okay with that. I didn't used to be. I used to do whatever I could to impress as many people as I could, especially when you're trying to build a church. Oh, God, man, if somebody if somebody would, you know, disagree with something I said, it would take me two weeks to get over it or try to figure out how do I patch this up or how do I backpedal on what I said and how do I become. And you start realizing you don't have to be a politician. Just be your authentic self. That's what people are looking for anyway, and those who are not, that's fine too. But to be free of the good opinion of others is a practice um that I've decided to take on.
0: Yeah, wow, that's uh we could that's a whole show right there, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, as a pastor, former pastor really, I I did the same thing. You know, you're trying it's such a tight rope to, to try to say what you think needs to be said without driving everybody away because, you know, God forbid attendance drop. So that whole thing is just, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Now, let me ask you something else before, I, uh, before we uh, close this thing up. Because I'm just kind of diving into this. It's, it's super popular right now. Um, how does Christ consciousness fit into this conversation? Well, you know, consciousness is one of those words, and
1: it's interesting that you say that because I, I actually have started a new series at our church, and the title of the series is Awake, Aware, Alert, but Not Alarmed. And we're dealing with consciousness. We're dealing with being aware. Um, Christ consciousness, to me, is being aware. It's being aware of the um, filter through which Jesus spoke. For me, that's what it is. Christ, Christ consciousness is an, to me is an awareness of how God thinks, or thinking in terms of God logic. Mm-hmm. You know, Scripture says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And nothing was created that has been created without the Word." But the Word there in Greek, the word for word in the Greek is logos or logic. So we can, to me, we could just as easily say, "In the beginning was how God thought." And nothing was created around us that we see that wasn't created through thinking like God does. So Albert Einstein said at the end of his life, um, I, I, out of all of the things I've discovered, I just want to learn how to think like God does. Mm. So for me, Christ consciousness is us working working to get, and work is maybe the wrong word, but practicing to get to the place where we are just as aware of our oneness with God as Jesus was. So Christ consciousness, consciousness in Spanish is consciencia, which one of the definitions for consencia which means to is it means with knowledge, mm-hmm. or to operate with knowledge or with a knowing, and it's different to believe and that it is to know. I think there can be a knowing deep within you that's connected to the all knowing source. Which is what I would call the essence of Christ, the all-knowing knowing source, and not have to have a belief about anything. You know that's why when people say, "Well, you know, I don't believe in God," my response typically to that is, is "Well, but are you aware of where you came from, the nowhere to now here? Are you aware of the possibility of source of the phenomenon of an activity beyond our ability to explain?" So that's, that's going a long ways to say that what I really think consciousness is, or the consciousness of Christ, is being awake and aware of the essence or the flow or the energy that we've tried to call God. Um, what's cool about that is when you are awake and aware of it, you no longer have to name it. You don't have to call it God. You don't have to call it. Jesus you don't have to call it Buddha you don't have to call it anything in fact Lao Tzu in the first chapter or the, not chapter but the first verse of the Tao Te Ching says the Tao that can be named is not the Tao Yeah. and I think that's way cool a lot of people think that's just the weirdest bunch of shit I've ever heard in my life well the Tao Te Ching means the virtue of the way and what basically Lao Tzu is saying is the way that can be named Because we name stuff to control it anyway. The way that can be named is not the way. So to me, Christ consciousness is being aware of the way without having to name it.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny about that is um, that thought is also found in um, like the apophotic fathers, you know, uh, Dionysus, the Aeropagit, and uh, Gregory, where they say very, very much the same thing. Yes, God is a father, but not like a father that you could possibly comprehend. Yes. And we can we can give names to God, but there is a part of God that cannot be named. And so they, you know, those guys really open up the idea that God can never be fully conceptualized. He's always bigger. He's always uh, more expansive all those kinds of things and there is a place within us and I, and i really believe you know and, and and other people believed as well thoreau emerson um all kinds of guys like that that there is something in in us connected to the divine in such a way that it gives us a knowing uh that is without knowing. And I, and I know that that sounds weird, and some people are like, okay, screw this. No, you know? awesome. <laughs> but it's it, it is complete reality. And and um, one of the things that, that has happened within so many religions is we've killed that connection, or we've at least hung up on it. It's still present. We've killed it, we've suppressed it, we've shut it off, and um, we no longer know how to Operate with just uh, intuition or knowing. We couldn't follow many many people today couldn't follow the spirit to save their life because they are so religious. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's yeah. a shame because I think it's an innate gift from God, Creator, whatever you want to name it.
1: Right? No, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, one of the things that I was going through. Um, actually earlier today uh, was dealing with you know how do I know when I'm waking up how do I because because the thing is is you're not in trouble you're in transition Mm -hmm. okay to say to somebody who is moving from these old ways of thinking and asking these hard questions and and moving into a new way of thinking you're not in trouble you're in transition you're not going crazy you're waking up and so, how do you become more aware or more awake? And how are, how do you know that that's happening? And I I jotted down like seven things, and I'll share them real quick if you're cool with that. I won't, yeah, go I won't for prolong it. Prolong it, but just kind of seven things that came to mind. Okay. And I like the word seven. Yeah. Uh, I like the number. I like the number seven. Right on. Uh, so here's a <clears throat> few signs, and these are the signs I noticed in my own life, and that I've noticed in many other people's lives who I've talked to that. Are really thinking outside of any box and in fact they've realized there wasn't a box to start with um, and that is number one you feel as though your life has been based on lies initially you feel lied to you feel taken for taking advantage of I certainly felt that way when you're becoming when you're waking up and becoming more aware you find you are desiring meaning and purpose more than anything else more than belief more than being certain you find that you're desiring meaning and purpose. Number three, you you have a realization that much of what you've been taught by others is a lie. Hmm. And again, that leads sometimes to anger or distrust for others. And that's okay. If that's the season you're in, just let it play out, it will play itself out and you'll, you'll you'll be led back to a space of non-judgment toward the, the individuals you're angry with number four, you often feel lost and alone and you certainly feel uncertain mm. number five, you begin experiencing deep empathy and not just love but compassion for humanity number six you get hungry and thirsty for the things that are real authentic and true in other words, somebody can say to you, this is such and such, and you'll start going, on based on what? Like, you'll ask, based on what? You know, when I first started discovering some things about the hell doctrine I was taught growing up,
0: as soon as I uncovered it, first I was really mad. I was pissed off.
1: Yeah. The truth will make you free, but often it'll piss you off first. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so then I would say, they would say, Well, now, the Bible, they would say, Well, now, hell's a, if there's a, there's a savior to love and a hell to shun. And I would say, Based on what? Well, the Bible said, Okay, I'm sorry. Right now I'm checked out of that. You're going to have to give me more than that. So when there's a deep hunger for um, authenticity and truth, you realize you're waking up. And then number seven, your intuition gets heightened. Yes. In other words, you have a hyper awareness that you can't even explain and really that only makes sense man because when you wake up in the morning you're not necessarily aware because you're not functioning at full potential initially most of us are groggy and foggy but when you become aware all of a sudden all of your senses are what? they're heightened mm. so the same is true from a spiritual and an emotional standpoint I think when you're beginning to become aware
0: and wake up that number seven is, is that your intuition gets heightened yeah absolutely man so good dude. Those are great. I, actually they're 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 spot on. They it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the process I'm going through right now. And uh I think I'm just now hitting seven and I and I completely agree with it. It's completely where I'm at right now. Excellent list, man. Very dude, good.
1: This you you'll notice you're already noticing this probably in, in your life. I'm noticing it in mine. That every time I turn around Something else is showing up. Somebody will send me a book. Yeah. Somebody will send me a quote. You know, I had heard of quotes by Jiddu uh, Krishnamurti. You know, but somebody sent me a quote. It just showed up the other day, and I see it on my timeline, and I went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Hey, and then all of a sudden, I go and study. You know, uh, some of the things he was saying, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, man!" Just yesterday, I was, uh, I was actually meditating on that during meditation. That came to me, and then there's this follow-up so my intuition it's like it's like for me god or source or ground of being is undeniable for me personally and here's here's why i say that here's why i say that because i'm i'm getting when you're conscious it, it means to have a grasp on um it means to have familiarity with right so i now have a familiarity with this energy or this source that i didn't have before and man I don't even, it's almost like I don't even verbally ask for it and God, the the perennial source of supply, shows up with it and I go, whoa, I didn't even say I wanted that. I just thought I wanted that and bam, there it is, a book or a quote or something. So I think that has a lot to do with intuition too. Your discernment starts to come into
0: play. Yes, totally. Man, dude, so good. (laughs) Excellent conversation, man. Oh, I love. It. Thank you so much man for uh for hanging out with me on my podcast, dude. I appreciate it, man. I love your podcast.
1: I love you. I think you're uh I think you're a genius. I think you're brilliant. I think you have uh something very powerful to say to our world and I'm glad you're around.
0: Oh, dude. Wow. That was really cool. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I mean it. Yeah,
0: I, mean I appreciate it. that, man. Well I,
1: was... I mean it. And, and when you start believing it, Boom! And when everyone else starts believing that about themselves, that they're geniuses, I
0: mean, wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror, even though you have eye boogers, and say, you're a genius. Yes. I Actually, I think you're right. I think you're onto something with that for sure, man. So, uh, all right, uh, I right. got to have you back on soon. Um, and then we're going to hook up and do a couple uh, combo things this year. Yes. And... Uh, we gotta we gotta uh, uh skype the guitar thing one of these days man i know we're both swamped dude but gotta make
1: it happen man absolutely absolutely <laughs> we, we may even reinvent guitar hero
0: something ah there you go i like it all right john hang on the line and uh i'll be right back with you everybody thanks for listening god bless you i will be back after the music Okay man, what a great time it was uh with John and uh, hope hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh look, do me a favor man, let people know that you listen to the podcast. If we said anything cool at all, you know, post that on your stuff and uh, let people know that the podcast is out there. Now, once again, you can find John all over the place, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. His podcast, The Holy Heretics, <clears throat> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, go check John out, follow him. And then, of course, the Black Sheep Experience, Craig Hostetler, worldwide, man. We're all over the place. So jump on, check us out, and uh, let me hear from you. Man, it's always a big deal when I hear from you. It's always a big deal to me uh, that you let me know that you're listening, what you liked, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I love hearing from you. Your interaction uh, is imperative. All right. So that's it, man. Episode number 20. I love you guys. God loves you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Blessings done.